we are, Extra Bases with Bristol and Booth in studio. Jason Bristol and former Major League Scout Jeremy Booth, our KHO U11 baseball analyst. Yes, we are here to talk the state of the Astros. And Jeremy, as this team continues to look for a general manager, here's the tweet Jeremy sent out earlier. I've been silent long enough. Tonight I'll be live on KHO U11 digital platforms to discuss the current state of the Astros, all things impacting the GM search, and what should be the plan to go forward for this organization. Jason, let's ride. Now, Jeremy, I know I haven't let you talk yet. I'm trying, yeah, I'm trying to share this, so. Okay. okay, so Jeremy, just so we stay on topic, I've written these things down. Current state, things impacting search, and what the plan should be. Now. To get us started, Jeremy, how would you characterize how would you characterize the general manager search right now for the Houston Astros? <laughs> um, interesting. You know, it's interesting because you know these candidates in some ways have some unifying traits, and then they're they're in some other ways all over the map. Right. I mean, you've got a guy whose name we heard today in, in, in James Harris, who has an analytical background in football or in baseball. And that's fine. But been in baseball about six years, maybe uh, kind of a fast riser with Cleveland, but was a football guy before that. And you would think at that amount of time doesn't have the background or experience to do what this needs. Um, you know, has some connections into the commissioner's office. We'll, we'll leave it there. Um, you know, with that, and, and, and obviously has his name in the hat. Now, that's not taken away from him. That's just the state of what, we, what he brings to the table. And then on the other side, you got a guy like Brad Osmus, who's, who's a lifer player, who, mm-hmm. you know, has been a bench coach. He's been a special advisor. He has been a, uh, a manager. He's always uh, been a friend of he's been a Jeff friend, Bagwell's. A friend, right. And, 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 you know, you look at that and you're like, man, well, those two don't even connect in the same stratosphere, right, of like what you would have for, for this position. So in one sense, I think the tone of this search is, is going to be called diversity. And the reason why I say diversity is because just looking at that, diversity means while well, we all have this connotation of, of, of skin color or, or of gender or of, of, of whatever. Like, you know, maybe, you know, you could have a, a cow in your front office and that would be technically diverse. You know what I mean? The reality is, is that diversity just means different backgrounds. It means different. And and when you're looking at that diversity from that standpoint, it's always a good thing. Some of the reason why we're here at this timeline, frankly, Jason, is because Jim Crane said by February 1st. Yep. That's why we're here. Okay. The last time this happened with James Click, it was February 1st. It, and it happened that because, not by design, but it happened that way because of the, of the sign stealing scandal and the, and the subsequent firings. And there wasn't a whole lot of time to do that. Um, and so I think Jim got locked into that, you know, into that time frame. It felt he didn't want to rush, and that was his, his deal. Um, with that comes a little bit of uh, an, interesting, an interesting slate of who you're going to talk to. You have uh, some people who are going to be available and some people who are not going to be available. You have a trend in the game now that is correctly going away from all analysts. You have, um, you know, coming off a, an analytically inclined – uh, I think two front offices, if that's fair to say, with, with Jeff Leno and James Click, while they won at the big league level, which is totally fine, 
the analytics don't build the system. The analytics don't don't build player development like that. Matter of fact, when you look at some of the Astros player development wins and losses in the last 10 years, the you know, well, let's just say since 2015, there's been several, there's been a few, but there hasn't been many. And not certainly not the players that have come in. You look at the Astros drafts and you've got a guy like Chaz McCormick, who's a great pick, 3.6 war. I'm not a big war believer just because you can manipulate that any way you want. But when it comes to that, you know, you have to take it into account. And the guy's a heck of a pick in the 21st round. No. Right? Yeah, 16, yeah, yeah, yeah. 21st yeah, yeah. round. 21st right? round. Yeah. Right. It's a heck of a pick there. I mean, it's, you know, he's better done better than some of the first rounders. But when it comes to the early picks, these guys have been abysmal. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm not counting 20 and 21 because that wasn't the scouting department's fault. But when you come to the rest of that, it's it's been abysmal. So the current state of why we're here, I think, is, um, is following the timeline it, that he set out and, and trying to get to a position where whatever decision was made was going to be one that was thorough. From Jim Crane's standpoint, that's kind of where I would stop for why we're here today. Let's go over the reported candidates at this time. James Harris is one of the newer names from the Guardians front office. Dana Brown, a member of the Nationals front office, or excuse me, the Braves front office. Excuse me. He was with the Nationals, now with the Braves. Sorry about that. Bobby Evans former San Francisco Giants general manager, Brad Osmus, former Major League manager and former Astros catcher. Those are those are the big four, you think? Yeah. Um, I don't feel like I've missed anyone. Well, I think you got to start with Michael Hill. Oh, Michael Hill, yes. Michael and- Hill. But uh, Ken Rosenthal reported that Michael Hill took himself out of the running. Is this where I get to say what I know? All right. Now, if any of you have comments, questions for Jeremy, leave them below. I've got it scrolling right here. So, yes, Jeremy, this is, this is where you can tell us what you know. Um, Michael Hill's got a pretty good gig in the commissioner's office, and there was less chance of a fish. Where <laughs> chance of a fish getting this job than Michael Hill taking it? I mean, look, the reality is is that he's a he's a qualified guy. He's a former president of operations, speaks multiple languages, Harvard educated, you know, got World Series rings, been player developed. I mean, the guy's phenomenally qualified for this stuff. And, you know, what happened to him in New York a couple years ago, um, after he was he was uh, let go by Jarek Jeter's group in, in Miami, he goes to New York, he takes this job of the commissioner, and, and Sandy Alderson, you know, as much as I love Sandy and known him since I was a kid, he had no interest, and, he, and Michael was in and out. And like you know, it was just not a not a. It was a bad, and I think disrespectful in some ways interview to to Michael Hill. Um, he's a great, excellent candidate, excellent candidate. But I, I'm not going to get into go beyond that. But I knew for a fact he wasn't taking this job. As it, it, the minute James Click was let go, he wasn't taking this job. Would have been good for it, not him. So you kind of take that type of ilk, and you look at what Michael Hill brings to the table. Executive with prior experience in the chair. That's a big one, and I'll go into that later on as we go down the line. Prior experience in the chair. You have somebody who's been involved in player development and been successful at it. You have somebody who's been involved in draft rooms. You have somebody who, in Michael Hill's style, he, he lets his people work that are working with him, but he also always verifies, right? And, and it, that's what leadership really is. It's not about doing. It's about putting people in place to succeed and then making sure they stay on track when it comes to baseball operations, right? So that that's kind of what, what Michael Hill has done, and he did it in the biggest chair in the department at a very, you know, at a very tough situation. The Marlins haven't had 
the best situation year in and year out. Yeah, they won a couple World Series, and he was there for them, but it, they haven't done the done the, the best type of job to keep that team ready to compete every year in and year out, regardless of stadium. And you know, it was it was it wasn't the best situation in the world for a World Series, you know, a perennial World Series winner to to, to exist. So, you know, when you have that. Um, he that type of guy. You got to start there, and you got to start looking at why was this guy somebody that we, they should be talking to. And, and I and I'm gonna say this as well. He got blasted by a lot of Twitter, and it was completely unfair. If you blasted Michael Hill on Twitter, what's that thing? Show me you don't know what you're talking about, or tell me you don't know what you're talking about without telling me. You have no. There's no reason to blast Michael Hill. He um, if you blast, you're completely uninformed. Now, when it comes to um, this this city's still clamoring for Luna. I guess that's kind of Jeff it. Luno. A lot of people you believe. Know, I mean, that that's fine. I mean, go, you, he brought a World Series here, and he was really a lot a, a major part of the architect for the second time. So you can't you can't dispute that. No one has, and no one's ever taken away the success of what they've done at the big league level. The reasons for knocking Jeff Luno were not big league success. It was for how he treated people and for the culture, and that is certainly borne out in Brandon Taubman. It bore out in the, in the sign-stealing scandal. It's still his team. It's his front office. It bore out in a number of ways that verified what um, we, we – well, what I was saying and what Jason was, 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 was listening to and backing up <laughs> is about how bad the culture was. But it doesn't mean they did a bad job at the big league level. Now, you got to go to James Click, and I'm going to work him backwards into okay. this. Okay. you got to go to James Click. So here comes James Click, and it's analytics. Okay. James, nice guy. Really is. I like James. Nice guy. Um but what James didn't do was he didn't hire any any diversity. Remember, there's diversity being uh, uh, different ba- backgrounds and different schools of thought. Didn't hire any diversity. Didn't have a chance to make any kind of headway in the draft. I mean, two of the three years he was here, he was he was reeling with no picks, and one of those drafts was a five round draft, right? So he didn't really have. You can't really kind of judge him on that. Um, but he he contributed to the bullpen. He did an excellent job of helping to see this organization through a very tough time in fighting not in fighting. James Click did an excellent job of making sure that things stayed steady and the team that was good at the big league level stayed good at the big league level. By the time he had a chance to put some fingerprints and stuff underneath, he was gone. And a lot of being the GM at different points in any, in any place has to do with timing, which we'll come back around to then as well. So you have Jeff Luno, who stepped in as a timing piece behind Bobby Wade and, and or Bobby Heck and Ed Wade, who built this entire they built the entire system and, and you can we can argue about this all we want i guess but it's pointless you got kyle tucker you got alex bregman you got some pitching that came from ozzo campo and the latin crew a latin scouting crew you've got uh, uh hunter brown we'll see he just got here we'll see you know what i mean you've got jeremy pena um and mccormick now you find me some find me some other guys out of the system in a decade in a decade, and there's some hurt feelings over there in the scouting department, and I mean like a ridiculously hurt feelings in the scouting department, but you know what my answer is to that? Do a better job. That's my answer to that. Do a better job. It's public record. Like, my reports are public record. The events we put on at Future Star Series are public record. You know what? When you go draft somebody, it's public record. And if you're going to get personal about some things like that because you ain't handling your business, I can't help you with that. At the end of the day, let's go down the, 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 the first-round pick since Bobby Heck left. Do, can we go down memory lane? How about this? How about this? How about we do things impacting the search? But that's where I'm going with this. Okay. I'm tying all this together. All righty. So let's go down. Because to, I'm, I'm getting a sense here that people are waiting for this. And I'm going to that. Things this is impacting why. the search. And this is why. So here okay. we go. 2013 first-round pick, Mark Appel. Big leaguer. 
He is. That's great. Is it drafting big leaguers or is it winning championships? All right, so Mark Pell, it's a miss. Good job for him. Great guy. Got some big leagues happy for him. You know, did some stuff in business. Had to step away from the game to get back. Great story. Not a, not a hit for 1-1. Not a hit. Not a hit. 2014, Brady Aiken. Okay? We all know the story there. But he turns into Alex Bregman the next year. Yes. Okay, so you have Alex Bregman in, in 2015. Now you have uh, Kyle Tucker at five. That's a win. Oh. That's a, a win. One of the best drafts of the decade. That's a win in 2015. Okay, good for them. You have uh, 2016 was Forrest, was Forrest Whitley, correct? Getting it. Yep. 2017 was J.B. Bukowskis. 2018 was uh, my favorite, one Seth Beer. 2019 was Corey Lee, just got here. I haven't been the biggest fan in him in where he was drafted. Now, if he was a third or fourth rounder, and it's, I, I'd feel better, but Corey Lee is 2019. We'll, we'll find out, right? 2020, no picks. 2021, no picks at the top. And 2022, Drew Gilbert, who's actually one of one of our guys and from the series. And I feel, you know, I, I, so I said then that was a good pick, and, and we're happy for him. I miss anybody? Nope, you're right. Forrest Whitley in 16, Bukowskis in 17, Seth Beer in 18, Corey Lee in 19. So what the scouting department has done is draft complementary pieces because that's the system that they're using. And we've been talking about this for a while about drafting aircraft, aircraft carriers. Now, this is impacting the search. How so? Because you can't have, you can't keep the team competitive by drafting complementary pieces. I was in Seattle with the Mariners. Wasn't a scouting director, but we drafted a lot of big leaguers as a group. Our scouting director did a really good job of drafting big leaguers. Did I miss the parades? We didn't win. And, it, you know, the reality is, is that if you have a chance to take a Tim Anderson and you take a, a DJ Peterson, for example, it, it's a miss. If you ha it doesn't matter why, it's a miss. If you have a chance to do that year in and year out of Danny Holtson, for example, in 2000. So, you, you know, it, it's public record. It doesn't make people bad scouts. It doesn't make people um, bad people unless they, unless they, you know, put the team behind their own personal. That, that's a problem. But when it comes to, like, the scouting side of things and what you're looking in leadership, that, that stuff's impacting the search. Now, when you have a Jeff Bagwell and a Reggie Jackson and a Craig Biggio, because he's in the circle, in the circle, and you have a um, Enos, Enos Cabell. Cabell, okay, and you've got a Dusty Baker, um, and I guess you could put uh, Jose Cruz Sr. in there sometimes mm. if you felt like it. Yeah. Right? But you, look, think about how many owners are out there in the game and how diverse a group that is of former players. Right? We could come back to this word, diversity, right? So that's, that's excellent with the group of players that uh, people that he has, that this owner has around him. i got to give him a lot of credit. Not too many owners do that. He's got just a wide breadth of it. And, and frankly, I will say this. Jim Crane's been really maligned at times nationally for some of the stuff that has happened in his companies. I haven't seen that one bit. Now, I've seen some of the people he hired be pretty myopic with what they do, but I haven't seen him do it, right? And so when you look at, at that at that type part of thing, the guy's, the guy's done a good job running businesses and running his organization. And tying this back to impacting the search, it's about a fit. And so what Jim Crane's doing is he's taking his time. Now, Major League Baseball is 100% absolutely influencing some of the candidates, okay? And I'm saying that because, not as a, not as a, a knock, not as a knock, people got to get names from somewhere, okay? Um, but the amount of diverse in, in the connotation meaning candidates interviewing for this is fun to see. It's nice to see that. It's nice to see that as, and, and I just, I'll just address the, 
the the thing it's as a man, as a person of color in this game who has, has seen some things go the other direction it's it's nice to to see that happening um but diversity it, for the sake of diversity isn't the right way to do it nobody that looks like me or isn't um or be classified as diverse wants a job simply because of how you look you don't want that you want to be the best person for the job and i'm not saying these guys aren't qualified michael hill i just told you excellent okay uh all these guys have some level of qualification. But impacting the search is timetable, diver- diversity with outside influences as to who they're talking to. There really is no rhyme or reason in these candidates. And the fact that you have a lot of different voices in there because the leadership alongside Jim Crane, who, by the way, has a lot to deal with, with no president, no CEO, no GM, um, with the scouting department that has not done a good job and a player development department that Jeff Bagwell has been on record of saying similar to stuff that we said has not done a good job. Um, there's a lot going on over there. They also have the smallest baseball operations staff in the game. And that started with Jeff Luno. So there's a lot to rebuild and a lot to do. And I think that it's a little overwhelming. I think some of the candidates that have been involved have been influenced by other people. I think there's a criteria that that they need to be looking at that they that I'm gonna we'll get to when you ask me about it. But I think he's taking his time to satisfy a lot of different masters and input to figure it out because James Click as good a job as he did of helping keep that club there for, for where they were, but just not messing it up at the big league level. Like if we just say that, he just didn't mess it up. He kept him steady. He wasn't the right guy to go forward with this group, and they felt like he wasn't wasn't the really the right guy last year. Otherwise, some of the things he wanted to get done, and he's not he's still here. So um, all those things, the, the Luno scandals, the lack of diversity in baseball operations hiring, the uh, the input other places to build a network, the way that Jim Crane wants to operate his organization. And let's be clear about this: when we're talking about any city in their team. Because especially here, because there's a little sense of ownership here and identity and love for the players. And man, Houston is really special when it comes to that, right? It's really special. But it's Jim Crane's team. He owns it. He's writing a check. It's his team. And when it comes to that, he has the ability to make these decisions. So I think he's taking taking very extreme care in all of these areas to find the right guy. But I think there's a criteria he's got in mind. And if he's the businessman, I think he is. And he's now the World Series winning owner. I think he is. Two-time. Their criteria is, is not what some of the guys that are getting a lot of the play fit. And that, I can't, it's not a knock because, you know, it's almost like a parent and you can't really pick a kid, you know. I think we'd all be – I think I'd be remiss if I didn't say I know quite a few of these guys. Mm-hmm. So I have to t- – I know – just in full disclosure, I know quite a few of these guys and I'm not picking anybody. What I am going to say is I think there's a criteria for this particular job that is 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 that Jim Crane's got in mind, but he's just being extremely thorough with all the outside influences. But why should he be – why should he take this amount of time? Because I put this on Twitter. When you wait this long, you really put that new hire behind the eight ball. Now, granted, I looked this up, Jeremy. There have been a number of GM hires in February. Yep. I looked it up. Here's one, Paul De Podesta, Dodgers. He was one in February. So why is he taking this long? And second of all, will that hurt the person who ultimately takes the position? Um, why he's taking this long, I can't answer. I think that it would have been a um, more traditional 
Um, well, the why is because he said he wanted to to be to be thorough, and he wasn't in a That's rush. true. That's but, true. But he did as, say he was going to take his time. As far as the um, the normalcy of operating in the baseball world, no, a lot of clubs have cutoffs at December first for even asking for people. Now that's gotten later and later, and, and now it's January one, and February one is ridiculously late. That's that's impossible. You got spring training two weeks away, um, but you know what I what I can say is that he said he was going to do it, and he's sticking to it. Okay, that's the why. Whether it was the best course of action, that's not up to us to say because it's definitely different than what is what would usually go on. That's just the one he's chosen. Um, you know, with that, I don't really have I don't really have another answer because there isn't one. Like, you know, if you fire James Click in November, you part ways, whatever that is, you would think you'd start that search pretty soon. But with this club, the big league club had a couple of pieces they needed to tweak. I think there were some things they could have done different behind the plate. There's some stuff they could have done different for pitching depth. I, I will say it's a risk. Relying on Hunter Brown and Lance McCullers, at the, who, you know, Hunter Brown's never thrown more than 150 innings or up to 150 innings in an inning. 130. 130. You know, and now we're going to ask him to be a starter in the big leagues, and I think Lance McCullers has demonstrated that he's he's been a little injury-prone and bro- broken down. If you're really talking about a postseason, in, a, in an era of six-man rotations, which is what they have gone to, um, that's six guys, and maybe you can you can spread it out a little bit. But if anybody gets down, what do you got left? And so there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of pitching depth they should have addressed. Um, you know, there's some infield depth that they address with the uh, the waiver claim from the Tigers, right? There's some there's catching depth. Well, you know, they, they let Vasquez go to uh, Minnesota. They didn't address it with a guy like Tucker Barnhart, which would have been low cost, or um, an, another guy like um, Dom Nunez. You know, these guys are, are pieces that can stay in AAA to come back and forth to help. And Barnhart's a pretty good piece. And they didn't do anything with that. They just let Corey Lee and Yiner Diaz fight it out, which is which I, I'm going to say I think was a dusty call. To do that, I think he's got some affinity for Corey Lee. Well, Corey Lee did, of course, play at Cal. His son Darren was a teammate at Cal. Right, and I think that Dusty made that decision, but it doesn't give you any depth if those kids don't work out. The worst thing you can do, and having been in Seattle with Mike Zanino when we drafted him, is bring a catcher to the big leagues. A catcher, bring him to the big leagues and let him play when he's not ready and say, you've got the job. Because when you fail, and there's a lot to worry about at the big league level, the career can go sideways. If you think Corey Lee and Yiner Diaz are the answer, you have the obligation to protect them and let them be on the shuttle a little bit, using who you need, or maybe having one guy as your third guy and a bat but if he's going to get real meaningful innings he's got to be ready to do that they're betting on that instead of the guy that's got now got two rings and christian vasquez and martin maldonado that's four world series behind the plate i'm feeling pretty good if i got those guys so that's it that's the route they went and it is what it is but i think in handling all of that and of course in arbitration and some of the stuff that he was doing he decided he was going to handle the big league club without in a way that he wanted to do it he's got some people he's listening to it's his decision it's his club they didn't do a bad job. There's some pieces I think they could have added. They chose not to, and that's what you roll within the camp. Um, but the GM priority wasn't for that. The GM's job here really isn't the big league club in the next couple of years. Oh, there's tweaks. The GM's job here is far bigger and far deeper, um, which is why, which is when we get to that part about candidates and what they're looking for, that's what you got to think about. Yeah, I'm afraid to say a little bit or ask you some questions, specific questions, because I'm afraid it's going to dip into this. What, what, what? What should the plan be? What what plan should the Astros be undertaking? Um, here's some GMs. I did a quick search the other day. Some GMs hired in January or February. So in... 2006, February 8th of 2006, look who was hired by the Reds. Yep. Yep. Wayne. Wayne Krifsky. Wayne Krifsky. 
2004, February 16th, Paul D. Podesta is hired by the Dodgers. February 3rd, 1996. Now, there were some circumstances around this. Brian Cashman was hired as the general manager of the New York Yankees after Bob Watson suddenly resigned, February 3rd, 1996. Here's another interesting one. February 13th, 2002, the Expos hire Omar Minaya. But that's only because Major League Baseball had taken over the team. They had appointed Tony Tavares team president. They needed a general manager. They hire Omar Minaya. January of 1994, Joe Klein is promoted. I, know, I remember Joe. Yeah, Joe, who, of course, uh, later yeah. ran the Atlantic League. Yep. Uh, the Tigers hired him as GM. That was an internal move. Also in January of 1994, Bill Bavese is an internal promotion for the Angels. Then I could go way back to the 1950s. John McHale with the Braves, uh, John Quinn from the Phillies. The Yankees also made a GM hire in January of 1959. Should we get to this next one then? This next one of what, what, what should the plan be? Should we get to that next one? Yeah, let's get to it. Here's some things that have come to mind while hearing you discuss this. We had this idea that the Astros would lean on experience, an experienced baseball executive as a general manager. Of the players, and I say players meaning the candidates, not former players, but the players involved that we know are still involved, Bobby Evans is really the only one that has high-level experience. He's, he's actually been in the chair He's a, a, an executive has done it in the assistant general manager or GM chair for quite some time. And then my second question, or my second thought, when you look at this, this circle of trust that Jim Crane has with Reggie Jackson, Enos Cabell, Jeff Bagwell, and Dusty Baker, is it possible that the new hire won't have as much power, for lack of a better phrase, than some general managers would have moving into a situation. I think those are two things that really come to mind while hearing you break down this entire situation. So you can answer those later or right off the bat, but Jeremy, what if you had if Jim Crane is listening right now, what would you say to Jim Crane? What should the Astros plan be? So, you know, we talked about not all GM jobs are, are the same. They're all different, and they're all about timing, right? Um, you can argue that Ed Wade and Bobby Heck were the right people at that time, and you can argue that Jeff Luno was the right person at that time as far as what he was doing at the big league level and trades and acquisitions. You can argue that um, James Click was the right guy to steady the ship at the time, right? And now this, this is really about a rebuild. And the Astros fans don't want to hear that because, you know, we've had a decade now of success. It started back in 2008 with the hiring of, of, of Ed Wade and Bobby Heck. But this is a systemic rebuild. This isn't a rebuild of a big league team, although that's coming. This is a systemic rebuild. And what that means is that the Astros clearly, in the things beneath the major league level, went way too far when it comes to analytics on the other side. Okay, the proof is in what has come out of the system. Now they've done a very good job of moving pieces around and 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 in uh, in in adding some of the parts and and, and the pieces to help win a, a World Series or to be competitive. They've done they've done an exceptional job, but the aircraft carriers are still there, some of them, for now. And 
Um, Jordan Alvarez is a, was, a, was a pro scouting acquisition by a now fired pro scouting department. You guys know that? How many of you guys, show of hands, and we can't see you, show of hands, if you knew that Jordan Alvarez was brought over by a scouting department in the pro side anyway that's now been fired. Gone. If you had, um, uh, you know, the, 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 the picks that, some of the picks that were made, some of the people that were making those picks are still here. Some of the people that are making those picks are not. It's a fact, okay? You have, you have systemic breakdowns in what's going on. You have to rebuild an entire uh, evaluate, player evaluation process. That's what I'm going to call it. It's not just a, um, uh, analytics. It's not just subjective scouting. It's, it's not just pro there's a process that has to be rebuilt. And so whoever comes in here has to understand what his ideas of how he's going to build a major league club in the future, how he's going to rebuild a farm system and what development looks like to help that get better. A general manager cannot do that by himself. A general manager has to have experience in all these areas. He has to have experience in rules and contracts. He has to have experience in player acquisition. He has to have uh, experience in, in, ro in, in roster movements and understanding how to deal with managers and coaches and players and agents. And some of the jobs, the reason why that's the one job at the top, it's no different than moving to the top of any other company. You have to apprentice yourself at different levels along the way to get there. And then you really need to sit in the seat that's next to the seat before you take that seat. Right. And some of the guys that we're talking about haven't sat in that seat. It doesn't mean they're not qualified for candidates. It just means that if I'm Jim Crane, I'm looking at somebody now. And I'm saying this for and maybe I'm saying this in a way to some of the people that aren't haven't done the job yet, that this particular city is used to winning now. That fair. I think that's fair that the, a lot of the, 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 the lack of success below the major league level has been covered up by success at the major league level. I mean, let's face it, parades, we get to go all over the place in the winter, right? We're doing this stuff in the, in the postseason. It's been a pretty good run in Houston baseball. It really has. And the city's not going to be real happy about going backwards out there spoiled. So Jim Crane recognizes that. And as a businessman who's built successful businesses in multiple different places, what I want if I'm in the chair and I don't want to pay free agents across the board, by the way, that's unsustainable. No matter what anybody tells you, paying free agents $25 million at every single position is unsustainable. And no, nobody's going to do that. Okay. Um, if I, if I know that I'm coming to that time and I don't have much in the system behind me, I'm not plugging in a scout in the GM chair. I'm not plugging in a player development guy in the GM chair. I'm plugging in somebody who knows how to manage people. I'm putting in somebody who knows how to lead somebody who knows how to communicate, somebody who has a business sense of what that stuff means from a, from a profitability side. Reminder, this club doesn't have a president and CEO. I need somebody that can potentially advance. We talk about, you know, now there's a president baseball operation, the GM title. Guy is the president and the GM. President baseball option, the GM. GM's a buffer title. Like, if there's a president baseball operations, he's making the decision. If there's a GM, he's making the decision. So what you used to know as traditional GM is now the president baseball operation, but you don't have to have it. You can just slide that over. So if you slide that over and you've got a general manager, you want a general manager that's got some upward mobility here to help run that business side, which there really hasn't been. There's no president CEO right now. So you want to have, uh, you want to have that. You have to have somebody that allows Jim Crane to, have, to be an owner and, and do what he does that's best, which is not get in the weeds as a GM. That doesn't help his businesses and the organizations. He's got other stuff to worry about. Um, and you have to have somebody that can deal with the manager and understand the role in analytics and subjective scouting and player development processes and getting good people. And that requires a lot bigger government than what they have today. It doesn't mean that it has to be a, a 180. 
That's not what we're talking about. But it does have to be some change. And I need somebody, if I'm Jim Crane in that seat, that's got some experience. And if I'm a first-timer, I don't want this job. I Wait a minute. This I is your this is your chance. This is know. this is there's there's one of only thirty something jobs like this. What do you mean? You if you're a first timer, you don't want because this. you get you you get one shot at this job. And from Major League Baseball standpoint, if they're looking at diversity and they want to get people in the chair, it is it, it, the first thing that happens. I'll just say it because it's hard to it is hard on this side sometimes to see that if. If somebody's installed in many places, this is this is maybe a little real. But if somebody's installed in many places at, at a position like that, and they hire multiple people of, of of color in other places, people say he's just hiring his friends. And it's not fair. But if you're a person of 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 of, of color and you take this job, you have to be given autonomy to do some things here to create because it's your one shot. If you're somebody else who's a first timer, it's your one shot, whether it's Brad Osmus or not, right? And I don't want to be in a situation if I haven't checked all those boxes here in this city with um, without being able to plug people in the way I want. I'm not saying that's not going to happen. I'm saying that's what have to happen. If I'm Jim Crane, I'm going to get somebody that's got experience, that's got some business sense, uh, has run businesses before potentially, or or been understand that side of of, of a profitability and, and 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 what that looks like, who can embrace analytics, who understands change because it's needed, who won't make change for the sake of making change, but who will help fill in the gaps in this organization because the city of Houston is dependent on it. See, every time you do this, and this is where I will say some people that were here fell short, every time you do this and you have the name of a city across your chest, in this place, you have 7 million plus marching with you about this team, and that has to matter. And part of, my, part of the biggest, some of the biggest problems I've had with some of the people that have been in the, in that uniform because you know in, in these positions because when long after they're gone the Houston Astros remain the Seattle Mariners remain the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim remain you have to care about the people in the city and when you put that um, you put that responsibility on your shoulders you have to want to do it for them because they're the ones that are rooting for it and that's where the fans come into play and if you don't respect that you have no place in the game and so if I'm if I'm Jim Crane, I'm finding somebody who can keep this city moving in all facets, not just in one area, not in two, and, I, and I'm not minimizing anybody, but that's my criteria if I'm looking to hire somebody. Business sense, experience, um, multiple jobs, multiple jobs in departments, a network of people can, can get diverse and stay diverse regardless of what the, uh, that person is in that seat, um, and is hired on merit across the board, not because somebody told me to. That is, that's where I'm at. And so I wanted to, um, you know, if, I, if I'm looking at that answer, that question, that's how I, that's, if I'm him, that's what I'd want to do. I'd want to have that, that set of, of, of communication, people management, energy, all that stuff come into play. I would be worried if you're a first time GM. This is a pretty powerful group of people that are around Jim Crane. Are you sure that you would have enough autonomy to bring the people in you want to bring in? Because we've heard Jeff Bagwell become almost like a de facto spokesperson in many ways as far as how the organization is functioning at this point. <clears throat> and I'm not saying that he's doing it purposely. I'm right. just saying that that's because 
He's been front and center at a couple of opportunities where we've been able to stick a microphone in front of his face. And I would have to believe that someone with experience, which we've talked about, would have the know-how, the ability, the standing to push back, maybe. Yeah. Because I worry if you're a first-time GM and you're trying to make your mark and you just – I think anybody who learns what it's like to be in a position of leadership or management, you can't please everybody. And I would have to believe that one thing someone would want was to bring in their people. And I'm worried – if a first-timer would not have, A, enough people yeah. to bring in, but also the ability to say, to really have a voice in what is an established and esteemed group of advisors that we seem to feel have Jim Crane's ears. It's, it's, I think it's a very legitimate question. And, and we're seeing a lot of that now with the, the comments on Twitter because, especially now with the name Brad Osmus, and everybody knows Brad Osmus was a member of those Astros teams with Jeff Bagwell, and they are very good friends. And I think that now we're starting to, you know, people are saying, ooh, I don't know about that one. Because Brad Osmus, while smart guy, has not performed well as a major league manager, and you wonder, well, he, maybe is Jeff pushing him? I mean, listen, everybody has their backers. I mean, you go down this list. We could go. Yeah, Bobby well, Evans, I think, was in San Francisco when Dusty well, was. I, I, I'm positive that Bobby and Evans and um, uh, and Dusty were together because that's where Bobby spent most of his, his entire baseball career. How about this? Guys. Dusty Baker, one last year as a manager, kicks up to the front office. As a general manager, Jack McKeon style, way back in the day. I'm just saying. Um, I, I don't. I don't know. I think that Dusty's always been a big proponent of you have up there, I have down here. Mm-hmm. And I think when you start crossing over some of that stuff, it becomes tough to manage. I think when you start looking at, um, you start looking at, at uh, man, how do I say this with as direct as possible? You start looking at things that take the essence of balance out in anything, whether it's analytics, whether it's uh, player evaluation, whether it's roster construction. In other words, you scout with your heart instead of your head, that's a problem, right? You manage with your heart, you can do that, and mm-hmm. you, but you can't scout with and player evaluate with your heart because you'll only see the person instead of the ability and, and where the player is and be ready. Um, and, and I'm not saying that's happening. I'm saying that balance needs to be there. And oftentimes, scouting and general managers and front office people and player development people who are both invested in the players they bring into the organization and invest in a long-term success don't get as close to it with their heart because they have, have to make tough decisions. So they do it that way from a standpoint to be able to have you know a little more um, um, distance. I guess is what it is from, from, it doesn't mean you don't want the person. It just means it still is a business, right? I mean, it's not show friends, it's show business. And if the Astros or everybody out there singing Kumbaya and we all love each other, but then all of a sudden that nobody's winning, how's the city going to feel? It still goes back to that. So, you know, I, I just think this is, this job is built for somebody that has all those 
attributes and has worn different hats in an organization to build himself to theirs. And to be a guy that's done it, I would want experience in this in this role. But it doesn't have to be for this team right now. But it doesn't have to be somebody that's actually done that job as long as they've worn all the hats to get there. Because anything short of that is going to be relying on people where this isn't their skill set. Jeff Bagman would be great at player development. That may be what he – okay, great. But does he understand how to build a scouting department? Right? Probably not. And it's nothing against him. Yeah. Probably not. Right? How about the analysts? Do the analysts understand how to be – they don't. So there's balance that needs to be had. And whoever's in this chair has to manage all those voices – and, and still keep an eye on that, the fact it's still a business and you have to be able to understand what, what the value is per win and, and, and the value of young talent from a business standpoint instead of just paying players all the time. From a front office standpoint, you have to bring players in, understand development through the system is the best way for returning your investment and it's the most, most cost-effective way to acquire talent. It's a draft. And so if you're not, if you're not getting that right and you're not getting other stuff you know, along the way, then you're going to fall down and then you have to go pay people to extend those windows. Um, and so you need somebody who knows how to build all of that. And what seems to be happening over there is there isn't that. And, and I guess I'll say this. Scouting has the vision. Scouting is all about vision. Whether it's analytical and tempered or whether it's subjective, it's all vision. Player development's responsibility is to take that division and make, make that vision a reality. You take the vision and you make it a reality. That's player development's responsibility. You haven't been seeing that. You've been seeing that you got to swing on this angle and you got to throw this way and you got this delivery. You got to pronate. I had a picture the other day talking about over pronating. Anybody know what happens if you take a baseball and do that with your elbow as fast as you can? Show of hands, show of elbows. I mean, it, it's right here. It's, it pops. You know, you can't do that. But yet we have a, a, a laboratory that's teaching that and we're buying into that. How does that help? That's wrong. That's not what you do. So, you know, um, and the reason why is we want to make the, the change up. You want to change up. Let's pronate because we want the change up to spin this way. We want the fastball only to spin this way, and the slider's got to spin this way. So all that stuff does is put stress on your elbow because we've decided in a lab that's how you're supposed to do it. You need a GM that can see through all that, know when to incorporate it, know when not to, know when to go ahead and, and put other people in place that can get him the right decisions so that he can sit in the chair and be convicted about what he does and not need groupthink to make a decision. And if you've never done this job before, that's hard to do because there's so many different departments that come into play, and that's what I'd be looking for if I was Jim Crane. I didn't realize how how long Dana Brown has been with Alex Anthopoulos. Oh, yeah, almost forever. Yeah, dating back to Toronto. And I think they worked together in, in Washington and Montreal, too. I mean, they've been together a long time. You know, Dana's had that buffer. You know, he's an excellent baseball guy. Excellent. Been on a number of flights with him, sat in di different places, and run into him all over the place at different conferences and ballparks. Great dude. Are you, are you comfortable with me? You said, I've been silent. What did you say? I've been silent too long. What did you say? Yeah, I've been silent too long. So why have you been silent? Is it simply because you know a lot of the people? In yeah, you, you know, when you, when you it's, like, it's like, a, like a kid. I mean, you, have, you can't pick. It's like a parent can't sit there and go, I like this child better than this child. Yeah. Right? You can't do that. And when you have these type of friends and, and, and connections and, and people you want to see successful in the game, it's not fair for me to go out and talk. And, and look, every offseason, and I mean every offseason, okay? Thank you, thank you to the Astros for being successful for this. But every offseason, we go around, mm -hmm. and the season's over, and it feels like almost, you know, and it's not everybody, but a lot of people in baseball pay attention because we have those relationships and because I, I've, I've, I've gone through the wars with them. Yeah. And so, you know, they watch, and they listen. And the last thing I want to do is influence something like that one way or the other. Um, 
I, at the same time, I got a job to do. I have a job to do. And I like my job a lot. And so when it comes to doing that job, I have to be honest about what would happen. All of the, I'll say it again, all of these guys have some level of qualification. If you're asking me what I would be looking for, that's what I, I, that's what I, what I gave you. But they all have some level of qualification. Jim Crane is going to have to make a decision on whether or not he wants a complete general manager, if he wants an administrator, if he wants an analytic guy, which if you, you might as well just kept James Click if that was the case, right? I mean, you don't need to, okay? If you want somebody who's worn, worn the hats and, and, and managed people, if you want somebody who understands how to win World Series because they've done it before in that chair, if you want some, or, or, or in the front office, if you, I mean, you know, Dana Brown's got a ring. I think Bobby Evans got three with the Giants, right? Um, you know, and Michael Hill had two. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yep, I mean, yep. You're looking at some guys that, that have some, some success, and Cleveland, has, Cleveland don't have any yet. They haven't won, you know, but um, you, you have, he has to have to tell what he wants. I mean, is, 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 is what balance do you want in that front office? And for me, I'd want somebody that had, had all those qualities, including business sense, some upper mobility, and some experience to steady the tide, to uh, allow people to be themselves, and to lead in a way that gets the Astros in the, keeps them in contention because the city's not going to take anything less. So I think, Jeremy, you promised to deliver the current state of the Astros, things impacting the search, and what the plan should be. We wrote them down, you mentioned them on Twitter, and we answered each and every one. That's what we do on the Extra Basis Podcast, the special live edition. You know, now that we've got this hookup done, I think this might be the route from time I, to time. I'm, I'm a fan of live, man. We do our best work on live. And we'll get some more comments in and things like that. There's some damage happening in Houston today. There's yeah. been some tornadoes that flew yeah. through. And so, you know, the weather team is mm -hmm. is, is busy. Yeah. Um, but the, they, were, they were the all-stars today. Yeah. But this is, this is out there now. This is out there for you to go back to. It's out there for questions. It's out there for you to listen to and watch. Um, Let us know. Tweet yeah, us. I, I'm, I've lived here 15 years, and it, it, I've been fortunate to experience baseball here from a number of different sides. And what I will tell you is Houston gets knocked for being a sports town quite a bit. I wouldn't say that. What I would say is that um, because there's other stuff to do, right, if, if we're not – if the teams aren't winning, winning, you know, then there's other stuff to, to do. Um but uh, there isn't, there aren't too many cities that are better to play in. That I'll tell you. And we've we've been over, we've been in all, I've been in all thirty. Yeah. Okay. And I, just, there's not too many that are better to play in. So, if any, and the fans here deserve to stay winning now that they're here. Mm -hmm. um, they deserve to, you know, to have uh, people who care in those in those seats about the city and about what it means to be a winner here. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's what it is. So that's what I'd be looking for if I was Jim Crane. All right, everybody. That is the Extra Basis Podcast with Bristol and Booth. For Jeremy, I'm Jason. Of course, leave us a comment. Subscribe to the podcast. I'm going to have this posted uh, as soon as I can. That's going to be uh, a little behind the scenes here. You know, it's funny, Jeremy. Um, you talked about, yes, you, people have been in baseball, but they haven't done things. Like, I've been in broadcasting a long time. Now I got to figure out how to get this video onto the podcast platform and yep. the YouTube plat platform. Yep. So that's kind of what we're uh, dealing with as well. well so, well, into that vein, I show up and talk baseball, and Jason yeah, does all the hard work. I know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny that, but it, that formula has worked now for seven, 
Seven year seven. years. Yeah, 17, 18, 19, 21, 2, and 3. Wow. Seven years. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And, of course, we'll see you next time here on the Extra Bases Podcast.